Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the 4D Human Being podcast, which was produced in support of Mental Health Awareness Week UK. I'm Katie Churchman and today I'm talking with Philip Waller about a variety of topics relating to mental health. Mental Health Awareness Week runs from the 13th to the 19th of May in the UK and the theme of this year's event is body image, how we think and feel about our bodies and how that's having an effect on our mental health. For more information about the campaign, please visit mentalhealth.org.uk. This is the 4D Human Being Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Do we want to sketch a route through or do you want to open it up and see where we go? I think open up the can of worms and see where we go. Can we record? (laughs) We are recording that. Mental Health Awareness Week. Mental Health Awareness Week. Opening up the can of worms and seeing where we go. I think, I wonder if I should have that on a therapy website. Or a... Bumper sticker. Yeah, like a bumper sticker, yeah. (laughs) Philippa Wallet, psychotherapist, opening up the can of worms and seeing where we go. (laughs) I'm not I'm not sure that's a therapist I'd go to. I don't know. Can of worms. Oh (laughs) (laughs) So when we're thinking about mental health awareness, what does mental health I guess mean to you? Well, what's really interesting about it, I was really thinking about this today, Katie. I was thinking the second part of that two-worded title is health. And yet when we talk about, I think, when we use the term mental health, it always has such a negative connotation. And yeah. I think we immediately think of what's wrong. And clients will often say, they'll often talk about themselves in terms of having a problem that needs to be fixed so there's actually quite a lot of reframing really early on when meeting clients. And I work long term with clients, but yeah, there's quite a lot of reframing early on to help us get out of that mentality of that there's a problem, that, that there's a pro- that there's something broken in me that needs to be fixed. Um, so to come from a starting point of, you know, you you are where you are because of what's happened to you and how you've adapted. And actually a lot of that is, has been survival strategies. And we forget that. We forget that some of the stuff that can become difficult for us often has been a way of adapting to survive. And the, the so those, the, the, that, that initial, those initial sessions are often peppered with talking with trying to help people feel more grateful in a way or thankful for those parts of themselves that have found maybe not the ideal but a way to to cope and get their needs met to some extent if you like so yeah mental health I think we do think about it more like a problem and actually you know it's Martin Seligman's work had a big impact on the on um on mental health and psychology, you know, positive psychology that's starting to think about what's possible, what's, you know, what 
what's working how can I use what's working to to help my help myself flourish you know survive to thrive so you've hit on something really interesting there because it is such a closed conversation still and um I did a training not too long ago with a big organization and um the guy who was running the training, um, mental health came up and he was like, oh, I don't need that. As if we, uh, we well, some I don't, of us need I don't need mental us... health. Yeah, as if some of us need it and some of us don't. And I, I do think that it's such a interesting concept that it comes with so many negative connotations. We don't think that it could be a positive thing. You know, why can't mental health be a, you know, an open, honest, um, productive conversation? Why does it have to be doom and gloom? I think that's what unfortunately is associated with it yeah and why wouldn't we all want to be talking about mental health in the same way that we talk about you know physical health or the health of our computer or you know the health of our house like these are really obvious things for us like it just seems so obvious that our house is as efficient and working well as possible um but but mental health you know let's hide that away yeah yeah I've got a question for you because I know that there is a lot of positive movement towards a more open conversation. But do you think mental health is being dealt with in the same way as other physical issues? So say you had to be signed off from work for a um, mental health problem or you had to be signed off from work because of a knee surgery. Yeah. Um, do you think the balance is there? No. Or have we got some way to go? <laughs> yeah, that's, my, that's my short answer. No, definitely not. And actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna boldly, and this is edgy, but you know, this is something you and I have spoken about. I'm gonna bring that right back. You know, I could talk about this in in the abstract. We could talk about this from you know an angle on organisations or the health service or politicians or the, or the media. Although I think the media, to be fair, and many individuals within it are are really and uh, the kind of entertainment industry. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of focus and a lot of work that's helping, definitely. But I think, you know, it's much easier for me to talk about the stigma in terms of what other people or other organisations aren't doing right or doing well enough. But actually, if we bring it right back to ourselves, how much are we as individuals prepared to share and it's hard, you know, and, and then you go, oh, no, I get it now. I, you know, we, I as an individual, you as an individual represent that wider system that, and it's a loop, isn't it? That we feel the wider system doesn't want to hear it. There's a stigma and we won't be, a you know, good enough human being. And then that loops to what well, I'm not going to reveal. And then that, then we're, then we're in the loop of I don't reveal. So therefore the system doesn't reveal. But it is, you know, it it is a difficult one. I really admire people that, you know, are able to speak openly about what they've been through, and and it's and it certainly helped me. Certainly through loss, which definitely obviously affects mental health. I've really gained a lot from articles I've read where people, particularly in my case, I suppose, um, women who've lost partners or husbands through suicide have been really open about what happened and the impact on them. But I've got an article sitting in my LinkedIn drafts 
from quite a while ago that I never posted, you know, because it felt too exposing. So I, you know, I, I, I have to put my, I have to put myself in that system as well. You know, I, I get how hard it is. You know, it's a real edge to cross, isn't it? I don't know how you feel about it. Well, we talk about the social stigma, um, and it was only when I realised the self-stigma piece and actually how much work that takes. Because, um, so I, I don't suffer with depression. I deal with depression. That's what I like to say. I'm managing my mental health. Um, but for a long time, I felt like I was a failure. So every time I'd have to go back on meds or I had to go back to the doctor even, that felt like I was doing something wrong. And I think there is still this sort of idea that you, you get fixed eventually. It's, it, you know, it can't be an ongoing thing. Otherwise, you know, you need to do more meditation or yoga or something. You need to balance your life. And um, I was. I was doing all the meditation and yoga in the world and I still needed some other support. And, um, yeah, if anyone else came up to me with their mental health problems, I would have been the most you know, open, supportive person. But when it was me, there was a whole other standard I was holding for myself. And I, I think, you know, the theme of the mental health awareness week is body image and I think that's another one we hold a very different standard for ourselves than other people we'd never say the things to other people that we say to ourselves yeah or certainly and only how rarely. can we move through that <laughs> yeah occasionally occasionally some people deserve it but those poor people um yeah no I really agree and in fact I'm in my final just moving into my final year nearly of my um psychotherapy masters and the dissertation looms and we have group process regularly with my um, study group so we're really candid about some of these things and quite often and particularly I remember I think it was last month somebody really opened up it has a similar pattern to me quite shielded historically and very capable you know really good at what he does and successful and independent don't need anybody you know that's his response the difficulty and he really opened up and and was very vulnerable in front of the group and I and I said what's so interesting is that I felt such a warmth towards him and I said but I you know so I'm experiencing being on the other side of this so I'm usually that person who will go no no I'm fine you know And I won't believe that anybody else would feel that level of warmth and care for those more difficult, vulnerable, uh, you know, parts of self, the parts that we would put it perhaps into a a mental health bracket that, that need more support. And yet I was sitting on the other side of it, being the person hearing him talking about those things and absolutely feeling connected and caring and what a lovely, lovely guy he was with, with some of that armour off. And, and I, well, I was really, you know, and I, I was very open and candid. And I said, what's, what, that's what's fascinating is that I know how it feels to be over there and feel that people won't want to hear it. But I'm experiencing the opposite over here when I hear it. So I, I agree with you. We set very, does that make sense? What I just said, yeah. I feel like I was really rambling. But I think we set really different standards for ourselves. And sometimes it's interesting when we suddenly find ourselves on the other side to take a moment and and try to apply that to ourselves, to acknowledge that, hang on a minute, 
I'm okay with this person opening up like this. Can I be okay with myself opening up like this? You know, just to play with those neural pathways, see if we can make those connections, you know. Yeah, and, and maybe accept the multiple contradictions that make up who we are, because there are always going to be those contradictions. And actually, if we become aware of them, we can work through them. I, absolutely. I mean, this, well, I mean, this may be going slightly off topic, but the, the, the idea of a, we get very attached to an identity or an idea of our consistent self. There's a, there's a piece in, that we talk about a lot in psychotherapy about the not me. That's not me. The, the parts that we reject. And therefore, if that behavior or thought comes up, it's intolerable because it's not me. Um, but actually, yeah, we're, we're, we're inconsistent and we are multifaceted. And so much of this work is about meeting ourselves where we're at and accepting all those parts of ourselves. I think a lot of mental health comes from denying or rejecting parts of ourselves that we didn't get validated for when we were young you know if you get validated for being strong independent and clever being a bit unsure and a bit helpless is going to be dangerous for you you won't be loved anymore you know so you reject them and uh and that's useful in one way you know I'm very much like right keep going carry on you know when when Tom died get back on the horse keep going and that's really useful. It's a really useful, you know, coping strategy. And it also means that it's probably lacking in self-care and self-nurture and maybe just letting yourself be taken care of for, 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 for a period of time or whatever, because you reject that in yourself and others. So, yeah, mental health is, is about whole self. Mm. And it is perhaps also... When you go there, you have further opportunity to connect with other people. And I think this was something you really discovered with your TEDx. You made it okay for people to talk about something that we don't often talk about. And um, I, I found that in my family. So my dad, I'm sure he won't mind me sharing this. He was very open about dealing with depression after he lost two jobs. And I was quite young at the time. And he told all of us. And so even though when I went through it, it's, it's always challenging at first when you don't quite understand what's going on in your own head I knew that it was okay to feel like this to be not okay because my father had been there and showed me that you know there's another side but also that you're not a failure for feeling like that and so I think sometimes when we go to those places we actually connect with people on a deeper level because they also share some of that pain in in some way and um your TED talk did that in such a beautiful way you made it okay well I'm so, I, the reason I'm sort of, sort of silent I just I just what a gift your father gave you it's yeah it's really beautiful we now laugh about our depression all the time it's like such a wonderful joke that leads to so much banter it doesn't have to be this edgy difficult conversation so yeah I feel very fortunate to have created that with him in my family life yeah it's wonderful and I and I think there's a re really important theme there that I've seen playing out for myself and I I can see playing out particularly for a friend of mine at the moment that is the isolation uh, is the withdrawal when we feel in a difficult place and um, 
we feel it won't be wanted. It's not who we are. Again, the rejection of parts of ourselves. And it's, it becomes difficult to pick up the phone because you don't want to land it on somebody. And, and of course, you know, connection is the ultimate, you know, it's, it's the, it's the ultimate, uh, what would I call it? Kind of, yeah, warrior or to, to isolation and, 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 you know, mental health issues and sadness. It's, you know, connection is such a cure. And yeah, we had a number of people after the TEDx talk come up to us. I say us because Penelope, my amazing twin sister, was there with me and people we didn't know. And we'd literally just, I'd literally just come off the stage and there were people milling about. And, and even the woman, the, the young woman who'd showed us around the venue for the whole day or the, or the morning that we'd been there. And then I did the talk and then she said, I can't believe it. You know, she'd had suicide in her family and she started talking about it. Other members of the audience came up to us and within five seconds had sort of said, hello, I'm whatever my name is. And then, and then told their story. And we just don't do that in everyday life. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a piece in therapy. I was just being, it's, a, it's very timely because I've been studying away today on an essay and that, you know, a client often won't allow themselves to feel something until the therapist feels it, until you feel it yourself and can express that feeling. And it gives permission for your client or patient to then access their own feeling. And that's not necessarily a quick process, but it's the same thing that we're talking about now. That if, you know, Brenny Brown gets up on, on stage and talks about vulnerability, that suddenly that gives permission. And of course, it's the same with parents or you know, community leaders or organisational leaders that you are modelling what's allowed all the time. And yeah. if you can, if you allow yourself to feel it and say it, then there's much more chance other people, which is why I think that, you know, the many, so many actors and people in the media and the royal family are talking about mental health because I, I really believe it can make a difference. Yeah. Because it is, it is so isolating when your when your thoughts aren't making sense, and actually to connect with someone else, whether that's in person or online, reading an article, and hearing that they've been thinking the same thoughts, feeling the same things, suddenly you don't feel crazy, and you realise that you are not your thoughts. Absolutely, there's so many factors that are affecting that, and that was such a game changer for me. I know it was for you, but recognising that you know I am not my thoughts. I'm not a bad person just because I have a bad thought. Yeah, absolutely. That we're not wrapped up with that identity. And I think we we said on the Daniel Pink podcast, but you know, it's worth repeating that I had that moment of in the middle of the night with really intense grief. And I just suddenly caught myself and I stopped and I thought, because I felt so alone. It was this feeling of such lonely, you know, dark in the countryside on my own. Um, and, uh, and of course, at that moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, there are thousands and thousands of people right at this moment in pretty much the same emotional experience as me, pretty much in the same grief, bereavement, loss as me. And we think we're so alone in it. We isolate ourselves. And and of course, it's one of the biggest things that connects us, you know. Our, yeah. our our mental health, our fears, our worries, our struggles, our 
trying to cope with who we are in this world and how we're going to survive and how we can relate, how we can be in relationship. I mean, these are the things that unite us all, you know. It was really beautiful. Um, I had uh, quite a few really good girlfriends around and um, most of them didn't know each other. And um, me and my really good friend, um, we've always talked about our mental health and it's been, like with my father, a wonderful jokey topic and um this other friend she'd never been in that dynamic before she'd never really talked about her mental health it'd been this sort of I guess something that caused shame in her life and it was just the most beautiful thing to see her just open up and start laughing about these things and joking about what doses she's taking and this and that and (laughs) and um yeah it just it just sort of freed her from all this tension because you can get depressed about being depressed and I think then you're in a real vicious cycle and so just sometimes connecting and it doesn't necessarily have to be humor but connecting with another person suddenly it takes away the tension that comes with holding it on your own yeah I absolutely agree and in fact there was I'm just going to find the quote now I'm going to flick through my one of my one of the last lines of a section of this paper I've just written was from a book by um, uh, Sharon Farber on the uh, therapist as healer, and it's Norman Cousins knew what he was talking about when he said laughter is the best medicine, and actually I've used that with clients, and and I couldn't agree more, Katie. I really couldn't. I I I think that some of the most amazing friendships I have now. Are with are with individuals that I can sit and talk talk about these more challenging, you know, things in our lives, and yeah, and kind of enjoy it. I mean, I know that sounds really weird, but sort of enjoy that shared connection. I was talking to a friend over the weekend, and she texted me afterwards, and she said, "I just love that we're you know, it's like we're in the same place, and we'd shared these kind of book you know book recommendations, and we'd had a real laugh about it." Um, as well as you know, as well as honouring that we were both dealing with things, but I I couldn't agree more. I think it's a real oh, it's just it's just wonderful. It's you know, it's so it's so connecting, so human. Um, you and I were talking earlier about you know the the age of that we live in of needing to be you know perfect and be seen in a certain way and be on Instagram and Twitter and all these things and oh my god the joy sometimes of being with friends where you can kind of go oh I've worn these I've worn this t-shirt for five days in a row it doesn't matter like I'm not you know like this is this is also who I am and that's okay yeah I had this thought the other day I got home from um, a long evening and um, it felt like a big exhalation. I took off my shoes. It'd been a really wonderful day. But my gosh, getting home and taking off my shoes, that was almost like the best bit. And so I feel like a lot of what we do in life, it's a lot of inhalation. It's a lot of yes um, show. And there's none of the sort of like, <sighs> I, I love that. Oh, I can feel another article coming on, Casey. Yeah, I often... My therapist does it to me and I'll do it to my clients. I'll often find that I'm holding my breath. And then if you say to your client, are you breathing? They say, oh, no, I'm not. I forgot to I forgot <laughs> to breathe. Because you can feel it. You know, you can really feel it. Um, that it's that, yeah, that holding, that right, come on, 
get through, keep going and actually, yeah, breathe out, let it go, breathe out. I really, I love that. Yeah. Too much inhaling, not enough exhaling. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which also, oh, yeah. which also speaks to our consumerism. It's taking in, taking yeah. in, take it in, take it in. <sighs> Can you also let it go though? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the beauty of an ending. Um, it's, you know, the, the closing of a book. It's like, it, I don't know. There's something that we don't celebrate about that. We just want to go, 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 go. Yeah. You know, we don't even really celebrate sleep and actually sleep's like such a, a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've kind of got this sort of, we haven't got a balance basically between yin and yang we're all go 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 all fire and maybe that isn't you know helping all the issues around our mental health because we just haven't got that space to take a deep sigh I think that definitely isn't helping I think consumerism and community are two really important really important words yeah or capitalism I would add to that but you know nothing wrong with healthy conscious capitalism but yeah consumerism and community that actually it's about getting and getting and getting and getting and doing and doing and doing and doing and we've lost we've lost touch with with letting go and not needing stuff and we've lost touch with community and we're feeling it we are feeling it as a species it's really clear isn't it because no amount of Manalo Blahniks are going to fill that existential hole it's connection that will do it I've got a question for you. So, um, so I worked at a retreat in Cambodia and, um, I came back and I really struggled with finding a middle path between that world, that really simple, um, no signal, living in the jungle kind of life and living in London. What's your middle path? Cause I find it a daily challenge to sort of hold that space. What does that even mean? What does that look like to you? Well, I moved out of London, of course. Um, I did that. What's my middle path? Oh gosh, Katie, what a good question. I think I still slightly pendulum swing. Um, I suppose it is finding, for me, it's, it's, it's finding the things that ground me and that can bring me back to self. And they are, my wonderful friends and sisters and woodland walks. So I think there's, there's probably that, that, that's probably what for me creates the middle ground. I, 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 I think it's really, I think we're all in this challenge. I think we're all really in this challenge of our diaries ruling ourselves. And in fact, I was really struck by talking to Dan Pink, you know, when we asked him that question, how do you really feel? And so I'm tired. And, and then, you know, he's got to go, you know, he'll get back home, but then he's got to get back on a plane at the weekend. And, and this is what we're, this is what we're all doing. So I, I do, I do think it's a big challenge. And I think when we feel that, I think we have to remember that it's not just us as an individual feeling that we are, a voice of the system. That is what we're all dealing with. Um, I'm afraid it just comes down to being really, really conscious and trusting, listening to your body and trusting when um, you're headed for burnout. And I say that as somebody who has not historically been good at that, you know, being high energy, keep going, keep going. Um, So I'm with everyone else with that. As a, as a work in progress, I think of really 
and a very important work in progress. I want to push you a bit further on that to bring it back to the theme of body image. Um, Because I remember when I was at this retreat, I didn't wear makeup for months and I just wore baggy clothes. I came back and I had a uni brow, but there was something really beautiful about not putting so much time and attention into how I looked. I had so much more energy for intellectual pursuits, uh, creative pursuits. And so I come back and I find myself in the strange land of London and um, you have to remember how to use makeup and a hairbrush again. And, you know, I want some of that. So I, I really, I find that body image piece really hard because I know both worlds. But yeah, you, yeah, what's what's the middle ground? It's really interesting you ask me that at the moment, I have to say, because I've been less sort of, less sort of bothered about all of my, you know, kind of yoga and juicing more recently so I've got two things to say about that one is a story and one is this one is if you can have a sense a connection to self and I know that sounds a bit woo-woo but that there's a knowing if you like there's a knowing that as and when you need to or want to you will get yourself into the shape that you need to get into I think if there's a, for me, there's a sort of trusting of self that you'll do it. You'll do it when you, when it, you know, it'll get to a point where you'll go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put some focus on that now. And I don't mean that in terms of sort of yo-yo dieting or, but just to give yourself some space and, uh, you know, a breather from it, that it doesn't have to be, it's that sort of contraction every day, right? I'm juicing, I'm gymming. And every day is lived like that. But actually knowing for yourself that I know I'll take good enough care of myself. You know, we talk about um, the good enough mother in psychotherapy. And being, you know, being a good enough mother to yourself doesn't mean every day the perfect calorie intake, with the perfect amount of vegetables and the perfect exercise regime. It means being good enough. And that means sometimes not being as good and sometimes being, being, you know, being good. Um, but it, I said so I was going to tell a story about this because it made me, it made me think of this story. So I walk my dog a lot and I just don't really bother with makeup sometimes if I'm working from home and, so when I first moved into my cottage in the countryside, um, it was winter. So I'd be out in the woods with my sort of, when I wash my hair, it's naturally curly slash frizzy. So, so walking out into the woods. And um, so I'd met a few people sort of locally who were either walking their dog or working nearby and said hello and introduced myself. So there it was, bubble hat, anorak, you know, out into the woods, boots. And then I needed to go traveling for work. So I'd had a blow dry, had a suit on and was going into my car with my little wheelie suitcase. And somebody who I'd met a number of times said, oh, hello, can I help you? And I said, it's me. It's Philippa. It's Philippa. It's Philippa. And, uh, and he just looked totally blank, like couldn't bring those two images together. And, you know, but it is a, you know, it is a really good point that, actually we are a really visual species you know we are Uh, so it it makes sense that something like Instagram is so popular we are really and that we are so critical on ourselves in terms of our body size and the the meat like we are a very visual yeah we work very visually um so he didn't even know who I was didn't recognize me (laughs) 
<laughs> so it is, you know, it, and then you know, if you think about that as a feedback loop, you're going, oh my God, you know, like, what, what did I look like? You know, he didn't even recognise me. And then, you know, you know, if you don't, if you don't catch it, you think, oh God, I must never look that messy again or that unmade up again. But, you know, it just made me laugh. But it literally didn't know, I wasn't the same person. I was not the same so person, isn't it? It's kind of nice as well that you can slip into those different characters. It reminds me of being an actor. Yeah. I'm sure you feel the same. And it was an absolute joy to put on, you know, the makeup and the clothes of maybe an 18th century character and just step out your life for a moment. There was something very liberating about that. Well, if you it, so thinking about being an actor, I think that there's there's something kind of quite profound about what happens in that process that you that you step into being something else and you step into giving your audience what they've paid to come and see and then they applaud you and say yes you like that has value for me and then you come off stage and often actors you know it's not uncommon that they feel better on stage than off there's something about becoming becoming the thing that people give you praise for and applaud you for and i think we i think we really live in an age that that is potentially very problematic that if i become this if i show this part of myself i'll get lots of hits on social media the audience will say yay be that um, that's so interesting so it's another stage Instagram is the new stage yeah but then you come off stage and ooh doesn't feel as doesn't feel as good you know yeah potentially I think what you were talking to there just made me think of how so much of our advice comes from external resources other people and some of the best advice has come from sitting down, being quiet, moving slow and really listening to what my body needs. Um, that's not to say that there aren't amazing personal trainers and dietitians and therapists out there. And I think we go to them before we go to ourselves, before we really tune into this teacher. And um, that has been the big piece for me. Well, I think a really potentially a really nice place to bring this to to a close which brings in a lot of ties in a lot of these themes around coming back to our own body body image and and what you've just said is in terms of mental health you know are we are we in good relationship with ourselves because if we're not in good relationship with ourselves then we we won't be in good relationship with the world because our relationship with ourselves is the lens through which we'll look on the world and you know we've talked about this if you wake up in the morning And the first thing you do to check your sense of what your day will be and how you'll feel about yourself and the day is to reach for your mobile phone. Then you're not you're not in relationship with yourself. You're in relationship with what you with what the outside world needs you to be for that day. Um, And I think a lot of yeah mental health, I think a lot of mental health starts with. Can I, can I be with myself? Can I be in relationship with myself? Can I check myself? There was an exercise, wasn't there, where I did in, in, a, in a workshop at one point 
when you've got a decision where you're not really sure about something, well, sit down, put your hand on your heart and ask yourself again. And it's a really simple way to be in connection with your, to loop back to your, to, to be yeah, touching your own heart and check with your own body. What's the right thing here? <laughs> you know? And we, we have the resources. We have what we need. We just sometimes need help to reconnect with them. Because the body does know it's incredibly intuitive. But if we're not listening, we don't get any of that advice. That's right. Well, this conversation went in lots of different ways I didn't expect it to. But an absolute joy to be on the journey with you nonetheless, Philippa. <laughs> we have been on the journey. Thank you so much for sharing and caring with me this afternoon. It was wonderful as always. Pleasure. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've spoken about today on the podcast... The following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and their number is 116-123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their number is 0300-123-3393 and they're accessible 9am to 5pm Monday to Friday excluding bank holidays. There's also Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or carer worried about a child's mental health. Their number is 0808-802-5544. And for more information about Mental Health Awareness Week UK and to find out how you can get involved, please visit mentalhealth.org.uk. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. Okay.